1: Yeah, hoo-hoo! It's hump day already. You gotta love that. We've only been at work one day this week, and we're at the middle of the week. How you doing today,
2: Congressman? Hey, it's great to be with you, Dave, and I hear Jimmy laughing. It never gets old. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta tell you, that's just it's great. I love that opening. Gotta love that. Hey, listen, uh, the, uh, the debt ceiling is uh, in the news again, as we probably thought it would be. The, uh, the Speaker of the House uh, got it through uh, some uh, rough waters yesterday, and now it uh, looks like uh, the House will uh, support it and move it to the Senate. Is that what I'm reading correctly?
2: I think you've got it right. And uh, I want to say that uh, I wish we'd been able to cut more spending. CBO says we're cutting $2.1 trillion in spending over six years. That's pretty good. Our bill we passed on April 26th would have saved about 4.3 trillion over 10. So you get my point. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of anxiety about this bill, but this bill cuts spending. It puts uh, the Biden administration on a regulatory budget. They can't impose rules that cost money without offsetting that spending. Uh, it reforms and makes work requirements expanded for. Uh, food stamps, and for uh, family assistance. This has been a long-time goal to return to that. It reduces the state's ability to have waivers on that, which is how a lot of people have gotten out of work requirements around the country, is they have high waivers. Uh, and we call back a bunch of money, $30 billion in COVID and other spending we don't need to spend this year. And uh, we repeal almost $2 billion of the $45 billion, so one year of the IRS agents, and we'll take on those next year, too. So, I, you know, look, I think it's not a perfect bill, but it accomplished our goals. No tax increase, no clean debt ceiling, make Biden cave on some of his pet projects and make Biden cut spending. I don't know. That sounds pretty good.
1: Well, look, you made the president cave that he, he came down and sat at the table with you guys.
2: Yeah. I mean, they told us in January to pack sand. You'll never move a bill in the House. Chuck Schumer told the president, we're going to get a clean debt ceiling. We can spend all the money we want the next two years. None of your programs will be challenged. That's what Schumer told the president. And McCarthy and House Republicans told him, no, that's not how it's going to be. So I I think it's a a victory. And I always ask myself, is this bill you're getting ready to vote on better than current law? Better than current law. It's a simple question. And the answer is, yeah, overwhelmingly, it's better than current law.
1: Okay, so I keep seeing that it's going to cost us $4 trillion. What What's that that we're hearing about?
2: Yeah, so they agreed to raise the debt ceiling to the 1st of January, 2025. And if we don't do our job in appropriations and we don't uh, do a good job, we will raise the debt. By that much, because we'll spend about $2 trillion a year over the next two years. I think we can do better than that if we do our job and we even empower the Appropriations Committee in this uh, uh, legislation. Because if they don't get their bills passed in the Senate, they never do, by the way, then the, it goes to an automatic CR, continuing resolution, at only 99% of what they spent last year. So we've got some sticks in there on that. But that's what people are complaining about, Dave. It's true. But that was in the deal they all voted for in April, too. This is, the, this is what frustrates me about people who are voting voted yes in April and voting no today, potentially, is the debt ceiling went up until next summer, not January, so before the election. And you know what? Privately, every one of those people said, man, I hope you guys can negotiate to get that debt ceiling vote past the election, including the people voting no. Uh huh. So I'll let you figure out what you what you think about that.
1: All right. So politics, as usual, is being played by <laughs> different different people. They always are. They always will well, be. Those are the
3: usual suspects.
1: Yeah, it always happens. And uh, the, you know, the people who make money off of standing up and and beating your chest but getting nothing done will do just that.
2: Yeah, I think so. Uh, but look, I do think I think for uh, voters, for citizens, uh, we're better off to have this bill save 2.1 trillion over the next 6 years have a better reform have better regulatory policy have people get back to work that are seeking food stamp assistance these are all good things that they 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 estimate they may add 275,000 more people out there in the job force and gosh i think we need more people in the job force right
1: now all right we've got the uh the congressman from district 2 on with us that is of course french hill uh, Jimmy's here. Jimmy uh, has been instrumental in helping us uh, bring in guests, and today we've got the chief of police coming in. We uh, we want to thank him for helping us do that. And uh, Jimmy has a question for you there, Congressman.
4: Hey, Congressman. I, w- I was just going to ask you your thoughts on uh, a lot of talk from Lindsey Graham about how this will somewhat shrink the Navy while China is growing. There's a- we're going to lose some ships, according to Lindsey and then on your point on SNAP, um, a lot of people are saying, "Okay, yeah, the work requirements, but we're actually going to expand SNAP. We're not going to get everything we want, you know, because we don't have the we don't have the House, the Senate, and the presidency. So to yeah, address yeah. those couple of things. Yeah, is, you bet. In the reality, you've got to give a little. And why I don't want to lose ships in the Navy, but that's a short term th- thing that can change, right?"
2: Yeah, here's what, here's my view. Great, two excellent, excellent questions. Uh, uh, eight hundred and eighty-eight billion for defense. It was about eight fifty-three last year. Uh, tried to adjust it for inflation. We're definitely under threat in the Pacific, which is Lindsey and Lindsey Graham's point. Uh, I agree completely with that point. Uh, but this is a one-year budget in a long. battle there, and thanks to President Trump, we actually significantly rebuilt our defense forces and got more programs working in the right way uh, after eight years of decline and frustration under President Obama. So the Defense Department is strong today and the 888 budget. It's a compromise. It won't please everybody, but I think it's a step in in the right direction. On on the uh, work requirements, This adds about 275,000 people back into the workforce. It moves the age you have to work uh, from 49 to 54. These are able-bodied people without disabilities, obviously, without kids. These are not moms. These are mostly single uh, folks. Um, Yes, the bill did add a... uh, uh work TANF food stamps for uh certain homeless people and certain uh veterans that qualified I added about 78,000 people but when i looked back and read it they're all eligible anyway uh and it does one other thing i think's really good for blue states this is something i'd never read much about but if you give a uh homeless person like $5 of public assistance in new york Five dollars, literally five dollars a month, like you start them on the system right, that's them eligible for every program, every program, and we've moved that off zero to I think a minimum of thirty five dollars, and we've reduced these state waivers, so there was give and take, but Republicans got wins in the mandatory spending uh, reforms
1: well let's not forget that the the whole thing about work requirements. Uh, Jeffers over there in the House for the Democrats said, "You know, we'll die before we do that." I guess there. Yeah,
2: it was a red line. Red line. We're not going to support any bill that adds uh, expands work requirements. So guess what? We expanded work requirements, and he's out flipping the bill. Yes.
1: Yeah, and they're going to vote for it. I mean, he said yesterday. I was reading several different press uh, reports. He said yesterday, we've got to see what the Republicans are going to do before we know what we're going to do. And here's what he found out. The Republicans can pass this bill without them.
2: Yeah, and uh, one other thing that everybody needs to know who's concerned about the fact that it's a compromise, Hakeem Jeffries told Kevin McCarthy that he just didn't think he could produce any votes because there wasn't anything in this bill for Democrats. And that's the same thing Joe Biden told Kevin McCarthy. So mm-hmm. it sounds like McCarthy did a pretty good job. What Biden gets, I'll talk politically for a minute, he gets a debt ceiling increase, which allows him to continue to govern. Uh, and, you know, it actually makes him look like he's, he can work with Republicans, which might be helpful to him if he chose to run for re-election of the country as opposed to maybe his property owners association in Delaware, which is about always, always really eligible for.
1: Yeah, I, I got to tell you that I I still think the man is deep, deep, deep underwater. He's got he's got some really pro- big problems going there. But I think this shows the Democrat Party uh, cracked this time. Definitely, yep. they they put all of their eggs in one basket. Schumer said it when he was on one of the Sunday shows. I forget if it was on Face the Nation or 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 one of the other ones. I don't know whether it was Tapper or somebody else, but he made the statement. The Republicans will never pass a budget. And when you guys did, he had painted himself into a corner.
2: Yeah, I mean, he did. And this was he's the one who delivered this bad advice to um, that Biden was going to get everything he wanted. And that's why we waited right till the brink here. Joe Biden could have worked and gotten a. A deal with McCarthy weeks ago wouldn't have all this drama. But as John Boehner once said, Congress moves very slowly until it doesn't. And so once again, we demonstrate that.
1: Well, it was kabuki theater. It happens all the time. The president's trying to set this up so that he can say, well, look, I got a debt ceiling, you know, increase. I got what I wanted. And he'll, he'll forget everything else that he said that shows that he didn't get what he wanted. Let's take a break, Congressman, and we'll come back. We'll finish up talking about this because it is the big story today here all across the United States, and that is about the debt ceiling. We'll continue with uh, Congressman Hill on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our guest this half hour is Congressman uh, French Hill from the 2nd District. Congressman uh, Westerman, Bruce Westerman from District 4, is in the wings. He's on the On Deck Circle He's putting a little bit of uh, pine tar on his bat right now and getting ready to come up to take some swings with us in just uh, a, a moment. So uh, this is the big story. I mean, everybody. This is all everybody is talking about uh, across the uh, uh, the media plane this morning. I mean, everybody's saying do this and that and whatever. How do you think most people are going to 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 see this? Uh, are you going to see it as? they're going to see it as a win i see it as a win i've talked to friends of mine and they don't see it as a win and i just tell them until you can deliver all three houses with sizable majorities this is the way this is the way it works
2: well i agree with you i do think it's a win for conservatives i think it's a win for people who want to stop the biden agenda if you're a conservative and you want to stop the biden agenda this uh is a win given that we don't have the White House and we don't have the Senate. Um, could it be better? You bet. I've said that consistently. I'd prefer $4 trillion in spending cuts. Absolutely. Uh, and I would prefer uh, the RAINS Act, which makes us vote on every expensive rule instead of a PAYGO rule on regulations. I got all that. But I still say it's better than current law. It still uh, forces Biden to stop his agenda. It causes us to have more power in the House and working with the Senate during the next two years of Biden. And let me tell everybody, let's take these issues and campaign and win the presidency in 2024. Let's get out on the stump and agree with the American people that we want to go back to pre-pandemic spending goals. We want to balance the budget. We want a strong national defense. We want to get out of all this welfare state and woke stuff. Well, let's take it on the campaign trail and win the presidency, and then reelect the House, and we'll have the uh, authority to do an even better job. I mean, President Trump did a lot of great things on Israel policy, on border policy, uh, on uh, right-to-life policy, but the one in uh, tax reform, very impressive on tax reform. <clears throat> he cut two regulations for every one regulation, excellent on regulatory policy. But he didn't cut spending,
3: mm-hmm. and he
2: didn't push Nancy Pelosi to cut spending. And this is why we've, we've gotten in this uh, tough situation, I mean, before the pandemic. I'm talking about in 2018 know, and 2019. So right. We've got work to do here as Republicans. Let's win uh, the presidency and let's uh, get uh, a fiscal situation that is, is I think, uh, responsible and really is what we should have in a great country like the U.S.,
4: Hey Congressman, yeah, I, I want to get your take on something because I get frustrated by this. Is I, you know, when people want to stand their ground, okay, that's one thing, but when people posture for headlines and publicity, that's another thing. We see a lot of that right now, and we see it on deals like this all the time on both sides. From your perspective as a congressman and trying to get things done, does that kind of stuff frustrate you at times?
2: It frustrates me, but I'll tell you what. I work real hard in my public positions, you know, I take on, on things like this to try to be consistent over my years in, in Congress. And It's hard. You know, there are a lot of votes, a lot of issues, a lot of complexity. But what I see here is people who behind the scenes worked to pass the April 26 bills. they knew they didn't control the presidency. They didn't control the Senate. They knew we would compromise. We knew exactly kind of in the range of how that compromise would work, and now they're all blasting the deal like they've never seen it before, and they're outraged, et cetera, et cetera. I find that stuff tiresome, uh, because as a committed conservative, I want regulatory reform. I want low taxes. I want uh, a balanced budget. Those are the things that I've, I want, and uh, so I'm frustrated when we can't take yes for an answer and go on and fight another day and cut spending in the appropriations process. We well, <laughs> cut spending by doing our job.
1: Yeah, you're doing your job, Congressman, and like I try to tell everybody, you can throw Hail Mary after Hail Mary, but the chances of making a completion are thin. Why not go ahead and do an end around sweep and gain eight or nine yards and keep moving the ball down the field towards the goal line that you're trying to get to? Exactly. I mean, you, know,
2: you got to score to win the game.
1: You better believe it. You got and, that's uh, what you got to
2: do. And we work on that qu- every quarter, and we want a victory, and that's what we're going to have when we pass uh, this bill. We're going to go on to fight the next day and fight the next game and win the next game. That's what we got to do. What's
1: going on in the House side with this thing with the FBI? Are yeah, they are totally they clear. are they ever are they going to actually find uh, the director in contempt?
2: I think they might. And let me tell you something. Chris Ray is the new director. He came in after uh, Comey and after the disastrous acting director, McCabe. Both of them are discredited. Both of both of them should have been fired. Both of whom I think, have legal liability. They probably broke the law in the uh, attacks on President Trump and the fake uh, FISA investigation and proceeding on Russiagate. I really do. So Chris Ray is supposed to be a reformer, okay? And he's supposed to be—he doesn't have a, a a dog in that fight. He should have the dog in the reform fight. Yes. And I just don't think he shows the um, God, the sense of urgency about what's going on here. I've met with him several times this year. I don't, I can't, I actually can't tell you, how, including meeting with him at the FBI about three weeks ago. He's got to have a sense of urgency of reforming the top of the FBI, giving Congress what it needs. And showing and demonstrating change. This uh, is—it's bipartisan, Dave. Uh, You know how mad the Democrats used to be at the the, uh, FBI about what they did to Hillary Clinton. Well, still mad. Are infuriated. Yeah, Yeah. and the Republicans are infuriated about what they discovered uh, in the Durham report and in the other investigations we've done. So, Chris Ray, uh, hardworking, smart, dedicated—probably not a bad nominee. But he needs to step up and change the FBI and demonstrate that he's going to work with Congress to do that.
1: Well, something tells me that when you join us again next week, we'll be talking about this in depth.
2: You bet. I think this is going to be a theme for the rest of the year, actually. And it's not because of Joe Biden. It's because of Russiagate, Durham, what we've discovered about the FBI, the Weaponization Subcommittee working with Jim Jordan chairs. You're going to be this will be a theme the rest of the year.
1: All right. We appreciate you. Congressman, we'll let you get back to work. Okay, we appreciate his time. That is Congressman French Hill. We'll have Congressman uh, uh, Westerman coming up here in the next uh, half hour. Don't forget, 8.05, the governor will join us live here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Um, She wants to talk on the show today about this lawsuit and how frivolous it is and how it's got to be stopped so that we can move forward with the LEARNS Act. We'll get her on and let her, uh, her, uh, you know, make her case right here on on the show. That's going to happen at 8.05. Don't miss it. You'll want to hear all about that. we got the police chief of uh, the Little Rock Police Force coming on at 9 o'clock at 10.30. I've got chairman of the Lane County Republican Party coming on giving us more information about what's going on at the saline county library the two libraries in saline county we'll talk to him about that all right back with you here on the dave ellswick show and again the story the main story that's going on in washington dc right now is about the debt limit uh the bill uh the republicans and the the democrats have come uh, to an agreement they had kind of like a a play vote last night. That's the best way I can put it. Uh, Sorry, Congressman. But a a play vote, and it passed. And so uh, now McCarthy knows he's got the votes to get this piece of legislation through. So uh, we've got Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman on with us from the 4th District. So, Congressman, let's hear how you feel about this. I mean, this is a win, but it's not a big win, and that's not going to happen until we win the White House back.
5: Yeah, well, good morning, Dave. It, it is a, a win. It's not the uh, the blowout like I think a lot of people hope for, but when you look at, at the playing field where you've got Republican majority in the House, Democrats control the Senate, you've got a Democrat in the White House, and we started with a strong bill in the Limit, Save, Grow Act. Uh, and i tell you what I did Sunday night when the bill text posted. I sat down for hours and and read the whole thing. It was only 99 pages, which for Congress, that's a pretty short bill. And as you go section by section, uh, I looked at it and said, okay, did Freedom win or did the Liberals win on this one? Uh In every every single section, you can say uh, Freedom won on that one. The, The conservative ideas won out. Now, was it as conservative and go as far as I would like to have seen it go? Not everywhere. But I tell you, there's, uh, there's some pretty good wins in there that unfortunately are being being discounted. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're going to spend less money in 2024 than we spent in 2023. I don't think you could have ever said that about uh, the U.S. government in the history of the government. And it's not D.C. accounting. It's actually less money spent in twenty four than was spent in twenty three. And If you want to get real technical on the details, the the number that we write appropriations to is called the 302A number. That number for 2024 is going to be $1.59 trillion. In 2022, it was $1.661 trillion. So, it's actually less discretionary spending than was spent in 2022. Now, CBO will go in and and do what they always do, and make estimates um, that are above what Congress says are going to be spent. But regardless, we'll be spending less money—not as much less as I'd hope for, but less money. Well, we're it, going to claw back unused COVID money.
1: Yeah, let's um, talk talk about that. You're going to claw back some money from the IRS, aren't you?
5: Yeah, um, and people were upset about this, but I don't think they're understanding. what's what's happened. The Biden administration has not hired any new IRS agents yet. They've got 1.4 billion dollars budgeted to hire IRS agents next year. We called back 1.4 billion dollars. That's going to be something that you have to go after every year to get it all back, but at the end of the day it is some money uh, pulled back from what they plan to use to uh, hire new IRS agents. They would have to find that money from somewhere else next year if they were going to hire them. Um, you know, the uh, um, the big thing that really is, is not being talked about enough is the permitting reform that got in there. The The permitting reform that we passed out of, of my committee for the uh, H.R. 1, the NEPA reforms, uh, we got everything, more or less everything that was in the bill that came out of our committee, except for some judicial review language, and we've got an opportunity to get that because what we didn't give the Democrats was the transmission permitting, and we didn't give them the, uh, uh, the exemption under NEPA for grants that would be used to build these, these chip plants. So that the things that the Democrats wanted – In permitting reform, they didn't get. However, the permitting reform will benefit everyone. Uh, Just to kind of give you an idea of this, there was a study in 2018 that said that at that time, the projects that were held up in permits for over six years, the the economic value to the U.S. in those projects, and these were just infrastructure projects, was $3.9 trillion dollars. There's a huge amount of growth and development that can take place if we can get these permits done. And what, and the average time to get a NEPA permit is like um, 4.7 years. And there's a 25% of them are over seven years to get a permit. Uh, that affects energy. It affects um, mining. It affects. Navigable waterways. It affects road construction, airport construction, anything that it takes to uh, there. Anything you're building that has a federal nexus has to go through the NEPA process. When the the last runway they added at at the Atlanta Airport, it was an 11-year project, and over nine of those years was permitting. Doesn't surprise two you. years to build it. So that's that's the unseen thing that's out there that. Uh, that people don't realize how much it's hurting our economy, how much it's hurting our energy security and our and even our national security. And that all got negotiated in this deal. Now, CBO won't score that because they don't score stuff like that. And, and knowing them, they'd probably say it was going to cost money the way their their warped minds work. But again, <laughs> if you go through the bill, if there are things that I would like to see um, – better? Absolutely. But the reality is is we're moving the ball down the field in the right direction here. And you've also got the, um, the debt limit will expire. Maybe it's not going to be next week. Maybe it will be next month. But at some point, you have to pay the bills that you've accumulated. And if not, you would see some major financial um, bad things happening with the stock market and everything else. But um, I would I would consider this a win, and uh, actually, as, 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 as long as I've been in Congress, it's probably the best thing I've had to vote on that, that will actually make a difference.
1: Wow, that that's big words right there. To be honest with you, all right, did we get anything about the border?
5: There's nothing in the border in this bill. Um, um, there's. There wasn't anything in the border in the Limit, Save, Grow Act that we passed out of the House. Now, we passed the H.R. 2, which is a border security bill. right? Um, And there's also, um, you know, because of the way this was negotiated, and I'll, I'll go back to the permitting, there's a lot more permitting reforms that we want to make. And because our negotiating team didn't give them transmission and didn't give them the exemption on the grants, um, we th- they've agreed to come back and negotiate uh, on some other issues. And that's where I think we can get the judicial review and a lot of other uh, things that we need to really release our economy. I think we can get that in some further negotiations.
1: All right. Jimmy had a question for you.
4: Well, Congressman, I'm sitting here as a conservative just from my standpoint, and I'm not getting everything I want. But I also look at it like this, considering the the, the playing field with uh, the, the the left having the, the Senate in the White House. And I think what people really need to look at, too, is why the majority in the House, it's a very slim majority. So to get all the Republicans in the House on board with this, with such a slim majority... And to you said, I'm pretty much thinking this is actually a big win. Now, I'm not getting everything I want, but with the dynamics there, this is pretty solid, don't you think?
5: Yeah, and like I said, go through it section by section. I challenge anybody that's questioning the bill to pull it up and read it and look at each section and say, you know, the Democrats won on that one because you're not going to find the section um, – where you can say, at least you can't say conservatives didn't win. That there's probably some uh, some mutual wins in there, but uh, it, it is a a big deal, and it's really unfortunate that a lot of people who probably haven't read the bill are um, are making it out to be something that it's not.
4: I think I think it's in, important to point out too. In Lindsey Graham was was talking about the Navy, we're losing some ships, China's growing their money. But I think it's also important to point out that. This is this is a short term as far as the defense spending. This only goes for a year, right? So, I mean, it's not like this is we're just handing over uh, the Navy to the Chinese, right?
5: Right. And, you know, when you're talking about negotiations, and, Jimmy, you mentioned the slim majority in the House, we, we had some Republican House members that were upset because – it didn't increase defense spending enough. Now it did. I believe it's a twenty-eight billion dollar increase in defense spending over last year. Uh, but all of those cuts had to come out of um, non-defense discretionary spending uh, to get us down below what we spent last year. So if you had if you had cut more and, and started cutting defense spending, you would have lost. Republican votes in the House, and you may lose some, some senators over that very issue because they want to spend more uh, than the, the the increase that's in yeah. their own defense. So it's a when uh, I mean, you're you're dealing with um, you know, a couple hundred people and trying to, uh, or actually closer to three hundred people when you look at the House and the Senate with on the Republican side. Plus, you're trying to you got to get some Democrat votes to get this thing passed in the Senate. So you know all said and done i'll i'll take the victory and and come back and fight again next week and and that's where the real fight starts because what and people may not understand this what this bill does it says the most we're going to spend on discretionary spending is 1.59 trillion dollars next year mhm that's and good the only way we spend that is we write the appropriation bills up to that number so we've got an opportunity to write the appropriation bills to, to $1.4 trillion if that's what we, we choose to do. Now, there would be a, a hellacious negotiation over that with the Senate, but at least we've got the cap in there on how much these appropriation bills can be written to. And another thing that's in the bill, and this was uh, Thomas Massey, who's um, you know, one of the smartest people in Congress. The guy went to, to MIT, a uh, brilliant guy he um, has got a trigger in there that if, if we don't pass the appropriation bills on January 1st, we take 1% off of the appropriations um, from the previous year, and we start at that point right there. So there's a, a motivation to get the appropriation bills done.
1: Yeah, the bottom line is a penny on every dollar. You, you all will save a whole lot of money if we can get that penny on every dollar mm-hmm. passed through there and then, in and then Congress.
5: And the and the spending in the future years only increases one percent, mm-hmm. and that's that's unheard of. Like the the baseline that CBO puts out there is usually four or five percent increase just on the baseline, and we're saying a real increase of only one percent. So again, it's it's. It's pretty good stuff, and um, people just need to look at the do, at what's in the bill. I think it's pretty amazing yeah, considering I, the, I do the, too. the makeup.
1: I think you guys have done a great job, and the bottom line is until we got the White House and the Senate, yeah, it's about the best that we're going to be able to do. It's just the way that, the you know, governance is set up here in this country. All right, when we come back, I want to talk to you, uh, Congressman, about uh, Chief of the FBI, Ray. And the indictment, perhaps, that he's facing, I'd like to talk to you about that and get your take on that. Appreciate it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Don't forget about ERC, the Employee Retention Credit. You can get up to $26,000 per W-2 employee if you're a small businessman. It's a refundable tax credit. It's not a loan. You don't have to pay it back. No strings attached on the funds. And uh, what's new about this is that a lot of you tried to get it when it first came around and couldn't because qualifications were too too strict. Now they've uh, been able to loosen those. And supply chain issues can qualify you. And you can get both the ERC and the PPP. To find out more about this, Billy Mack wants you to know all about this from ICU Protection. E R C E Z one two three E R C E Z one two three dot com. Go to that website and get signed up if you're a small businessman and do it today. All right, let's finish it up with uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. Don't forget the governor is with us right after the news at the top of the hour, talking about this lawsuit uh, dealing with the Learns Act, and we'll uh, we'll talk to her and find out some of her thoughts on why she thinks this has been uh put into the courts. I can tell you real quickly because the left has no other recourse but to do it that way. That's exactly why they're doing it the way they're doing it. They're just they're trying to stop the inevitable. That is all they're trying to do. But we'll talk to the governor about that here in just a moment. Uh let's get back to the uh to the congressman Congressman Westerman last question for you. Uh, it looks like Ray is willing to be held in contempt by uh, uh, the Congress. Uh, do, do you think this is a political on, a ploy on his his uh, part that he can give this uh, piece of, uh, I don't know, paperwork or whatever it is that he's got that shows they're saying Biden was doing something uh, wrong? Uh, is this his way of trying to protect himself from the president?
5: I'm not sure what his motivations are, Dave, but I believe he's going to be uh, brought up on charges of contempt because he's not answering the, uh, uh, the request that I believe it's the oversight committee has made. I think that's uh, chairman Comer's committee that has tried to get information from him or possibly it's Jim Jordan, but I I know that um, he's not cooperating and you know it's, it's like thumbing your nose at the american people because the the house is a direct representation of the american people the house says give us some information uh, you don't have that option to say no i don't think so uh-huh. and there's so much of that arrogance across the administrative branch uh, i'm i'm friends with the former interior secretary david bernhardt and he just wrote a book um that i'm i'm about halfway through it so this, fantastic book on the administrative state and he he talks about when he first got hired by trump that um and he'd been in the george w administration and he said you always had to work through people other people in the white house but he said that he had a direct line to trump and he answered to trump and he talked about how there were these bureaucrats embedded in the organization that would actually break the law they wouldn't follow the policy and the direction that their their bosses gave them and um you know they were they were close to getting a lot of that change they were making great changes and of course when the biden administration came in they just reset and went back to the old way of of doing things He, he talked about um Policies that have been in place that nobody knew why they were in place, but you know, having to get 16 people to sign off on a letter before the secretary could send the letter, and they found out it traced back to something in the 90s where uh, um, some chief of staff was upset about something and put this policy in place, and and nobody had ever looked at, at changing it, but it just it gives you a, an inside look at how, uh, and I'll use the word corrupt. Some of these federal bureau- bureaucrats are. Uh, that don't think they answered anyone that think they'll just wait one administration out for the next
1: one, yeah and that and that is just the way it is, and then i you know i I've been over there in in the capitol, and I know you're all uh sitting around, and I hear you all talking amongst each other, and I hear you say,
5: "Where's the Tylenol? You
1: yeah know, i I mean seriously,
5: right. <laughs> 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 you may need something stronger than Tylenol. For some
1: <laughs> no, it's what you take the Tylenol with, Congressman. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying it, it. It's it's crazy. Government is too big, and hopefully things will go our way over the next year and a half, and we'll get the White House back, get the Senate back, and get some sanity, get some normalcy going again in Washington, D.C. We appreciate your time and want to thank you for joining us today.
5: Always good to be with you, Dave.
1: All right, we'll talk to you later, Congressman. Thank you very much, Congressman Bruce Westerman, joining us from Washington, D.C. Always good to hear from him. Okay, hold on. She'll be here in just a few moments, all right? 805, the uh, governor will join us, and she'll talk about this lawsuit about the LEARNS Act. You're going to want to hear everything she has to say. That's coming up next on the Dave Ellswick Show. To our show today, Governor Huckabee Sanders is with us. And, Governor, thanks for giving us the time. I really wanted to talk to you because I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, uh, I about blew my cork when I saw this this uh, this lawsuit that came up against the Learns Act. Uh, I have been fighting for school choice in this state since uh, 2001. I fought heavily for it with the uh, uh, when he was a state legislator, and that's Bruce Westerman, he came up with the idea with the, you know, the money following the student, and everybody called him every name in the book, but his real name. And uh, you know, it, it's it's the same old, same old. This stuff drives me crazy, and I'm sure that it drives you crazy as well.
6: Absolutely, and thanks so much, Dave, for having me on. I appreciate it, and more importantly, thank you for. Being one of the leaders of this effort and, you know, one of the voices of reason uh, over the not just last couple of weeks, but certainly over uh, the last couple of decades uh, on helping provide students across the state with better educational opportunities. And at the end of the day, that's what this is all about, is how do we best serve the people of Arkansas? And we went out, worked extremely hard with people from every corner of the state. I mean, I campaigned for nearly two years specifically on this topic of how we can do better in education, and we went out and passed historic landmark education reform, uh, which I'm extremely proud of and very confident is going to change our state for the better and give students in all parts of Arkansas the best education possible and um, I, I feel good about where we are. You know, we've got a, a handful of, of people on the radical left, woke mob that want to play games with kids' futures. But we're not going to allow that to happen and certainly appreciate your willingness to take a few minutes to talk about it today.
5: Well,
1: absolutely, because let, let's talk about this. People have to understand that what this lawsuit uh, does, what this uh, judge did, was they threw everything into disarray for for a little bit. I, it's not going to last for a long time. The LEARNS Act is going to be uh, implemented, but they're doing whatever they can in whatever way they can to stop it.
6: Absolutely. We, again, we feel very confident um, that this will, will be won in court, but at the end of the day, the legislation has been passed. But what this group is doing is holding up and putting, uh, frankly, kids' futures, teachers' futures on hold. And it is preventing the pay raises that will literally change some teachers' lives uh, and, and slowing down the implementation of that going into effect. It's stopping and putting on hold maternity leave for our teachers. It is putting on hold safety trainings that would be taking place right now and over the course of the next several weeks ahead of school, Uh, training and resources when it comes to stopping human trafficking uh, that we know uh, unfortunately happens within our school walls there are a number of things that this does none of which are helpful uh, and certainly I think put a lot of our students and our teachers in jeopardy by slowing down this process that we know is ultimately inevitable and this law is going to go into effect whether it's now um, or three months from now but it just puts turmoil that's unnecessary in the people's lives as we try to implement historic education reform.
1: Well, let's let's talk about uh, Ground Zero, which is Namarville-Elaine School District, and, and let's talk about the people that are behind this lawsuit, because I think that's something that people need to know about. One of the people that's behind this, uh, uh, number one, both of the people who are really behind the lawsuit aren't even... Uh, teachers in this in this district. They don't even live in this district. Uh, They're just out to to throw a a monkey wrench into everything that they possibly can. And, uh, you know, Grapp is, of course, used to be the White County Democratic Party uh, chair. I mean, these are people that have shown that they've been they've been for the status quo for for years.
6: Absolutely. This has nothing to do with actually helping the students of Arkansas. This is about uh, them winning a political game. And, you know, we saw how helpful uh, and how instrumental learns can be just in the last few weeks when it prevented the Marble Lane School District uh, from going into complete state control and being consolidated which is what they wanted to prevent. If you talk to the people on the ground in Marvel Elaine District, those people are championing learns and are excited about the prospect uh, and the transformation contract that they were able to enter into that would prevent their school from being consolidated. And, um, you know, we've got a, a handful of people, like you said, who don't live there who are trying to dictate the rules to those who do. And you're seeing a lot of pushback from that community, and I'm glad to see that they're standing up. And some of them are are probably not the most likely political allies that I would have, but certainly uh, know the impact that this legislation has already had on the community in a positive way. And they are very hopeful um, that this ruling will be, um, the temporary hold will be removed and um, ultimately LEARNS will go into effect and their school district will be saved.
3: Yeah,
1: it's going to cost uh, the state money as well. I'm understanding there's some grant money this is going to cost us. Is that right?
6: Absolutely. There's about a a million dollars in uh, reading and tutoring grants that it will take away from the state, specifically targeted for struggling students. Literacy is a huge, huge component of the Arkansas LEARNS plan. Um, and a major focus of what we're trying to do is help catch our students up. We know that that is such a critical benchmark for students, a make-or-break moment to be able to read by the time they hit the third grade. And so putting a number of resources into helping our students hit that critical benchmark by that moment, and they're making that process uh put that on hold and slowing that down as well and so we're, we're again so confident about where we are working closely with the attorney general's office who's taking the lead on this front um, and there's nobody i'd rather have leading the charge than uh, attorney general griffin and his team who are just doing a phenomenal job
1: so where are we as far as that's concerned where does this go from where it's at right now
6: uh, right now, we have uh, they, the AD's office has asked the Supreme Court uh, to remove the temporary hold that has been placed by the Circuit Court in Pulaski County, and we're hopeful that that will happen quickly. Um, and then we'll go through the regular proceeding. But if they can remove that temporary hold, we can get back to business as usual and continue moving forward with the implementation while they work the rest of the details out in the court. But at the end of the day, this law uh, was passed with an overwhelming majority in the House and the Senate. It's been signed into law by me, and we feel very good moving forward. Um, and hopefully, look at this, it's just a blip on the radar and a slowdown in the process.
1: The governor, our special guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show right now, and she's talking about this lawsuit that's trying to slow things down as far as the LEARNS Act go. And speaking of that, if you could speak to this, uh, the beginning of this program truly helps the most uh, you know, needy students in the state of Arkansas. This puts them on hold about that, doesn't it?
6: Absolutely. We, the entire idea behind LEARNS, is to make sure that every kid in the state of Arkansas has access to a quality education. And that's exactly what LEARNS does. It empowers parents, and it allows individuals who uh, may need certain things. They may get that from a public school, from a private school, a charter school, a home school, um, or even a public school that may not be in their district. It opens up those opportunities so that parents can make a determination on how best and where best their kids can learn. I'm a mom, I have three kids, uh, and I can tell you, just with my three kids, I know they all three need very different things. And making sure that I can put them in an environment where they have the opportunity to be successful is the ultimate goal. And we want that for every parent in the state of Arkansas. We also want to make sure that the amazing teachers that we have that are helping and nurturing our students across the state have the pay raises that they deserve. This will take Arkansas from being number 48 in the country in pay raises to the top five overnight. And frankly, when you adjust it for cost of living, it makes Arkansas number one. That makes us competitive with every state in the country Mm -hmm. when it comes to retaining the best teachers and recruiting the best teachers from other states. This is a huge win for our teachers, and a huge win for our students because it's going to help us keep those best and brightest teachers in the classroom, and that's exactly what we want to see. And we fully expect to be vindicated uh, through this lawsuit um, at the Supreme Court level and making sure that these opportunities are afforded to every student, parent, and teacher across Arkansas.
1: Well, one of the things that this lawsuit stands on is silly, and that is – you have to vote a, a special vote to, to, get, to get a part of the bill put in immediately. Uh, it's voted on, and it has been voted on. And we've been voting like this for years, and we've never heard one of these kind of people stand up and complain about it. Now they want to find something, anything, that they can grasp hold of and, and try to uh, slow things down.
6: Yeah, I mean, David, as you know, this is an absolutely absurd lawsuit with zero merit. This is a practice that's been going back decades. There were Mm -hmm. uh, nearly 300 pieces of legislation this session alone that used this exact same procedure. Uh, You know, going back to well before even my dad was lieutenant governor, much less governor, this was the exact same practice that has been used and procedure that has been used by Democrats and Republicans alike. Uh, to pass thousands of pieces of legislation um, is to, to vote at the same time but record the vote in the journal uh, as two votes. And, again, we feel very confident in the constitutionality of the procedure and feel very strongly that this will be upheld by the court um, and we can continue to see this implemented and see Arkansas education improve Uh, Just a little bit every single day because of it.
1: Well, we appreciate your hard work on this, uh, Governor. You've been put you've put in unbelievable amount of hours to get this ready. I I appreciate that the legislature got right behind it and got it passed. And uh, it just goes to show uh, who people should be voting for in the uh, in the in the future as well.
6: Well, we we appreciate it, and again, I appreciate your leadership across the board on this and i um, glad that people like you have been speaking up about better educational opportunities for our students for decades. And uh, because of the work you're willing to do on the front end and help blaze that trail, we were able to get it done and look forward at the end of the day. Uh, the most important thing is that we see kids' parents' and teachers' lives improved by the LEARNS legislation, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen over the course of the next several years, and I'm really proud of
1: that. Well, you bro- I think you broke the status quo. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to the future here in the state of Arkansas, and we want to thank you for the time that you've given us today to talk about this. Governor Huckabee Sanders uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll let you get back to work.
6: Thank you so much, and I uh, look forward to being back on soon.
1: Thanks, Dave. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. Governor Sanders here on the Day of Show. Made some really good points. Made some great points and very simple points. This is nothing more. This is the way, Jimmy, I look at what happens when you go out hunting and uh, you shoot a deer, and if the, if the shot isn't just a kill shot and the, and the, the deer just falls dead, you go up, and it's kicking its legs. It's in its death throes. That's what this reminds me of for the left. This is them in their death throes right now Well, because they they're not going to win.
4: No, and they didn't have to do this. And what what really aggravates me is, you know, the Republicans hold the overwhelming majority in the state. You have Republican governor. She put forth this bill. It passed. That's just the way it is. Overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly, and that's just the way it is so— these people aren't going to accomplish anything that maybe slow this down. Uh, for if the, if we get the Supreme Court ruling, would they slow it down for a week? But I the,
1: I, pre- I think that we might hear today yeah. that they're going to lift uh, the stoppage of the of the bill itself. If if that's lifted, it's just but the governor just said it's business as usual.
4: And all this is done is just you know. Uh, th- Gum, up, gum it up for a few days, but what really frustrates me is by these people doing this that 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 are behind this. Don't tell me that you care anything for Marvell Lane School. No, District you don't, They don't.
1: Let's let's understand some. I didn't I didn't bring it up with the with the governor because I don't want her to put her on right. on on the. But I, the I'll front. say it. Yeah, the the lady who is part of making this happen, this lawsuit happen went to that school district and uh, she was ahead of another group and they wanted to take over that school district and they were turned down and this other group was given to it and then yeah. she has the audacity to uh, press forward with this lawsuit sounds like to me uh, and and it should be looked into and looked into very carefully uh, an illegal action on her part well it it just it's retaliatory it seems like to me
4: well, it just goes to show you that her intent, the original intent to take over Marville School District, was not sincere, was it? She didn't care about the kids.
1: <laughs> no, she does not. No. She I does mean, this, not. this
4: proves it, right?
1: It's about money for her. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Let's take Politics a break. Politics and money. Got to get a break, Jimmy. We'll come back. We'll talk more. we got a whole other half hour to talk about it, and we will, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Ellswick Show, again, my thanks to uh, Governor Sanders for joining us here on the Dave yeah, Show. By the way, great interview. Yeah, she mentioned she'd be back on the air in, in soon. That will be next week. Just so you know, something that's going to be uh, happen, happening here uh, shortly is that we're going to see uh, uh, the governor on this radio station once a month. Take your calls. All right. Ask the governor coming here to... Uh, the uh the show uh to the station one oh one one FM the answer uh used to be at another station I used to be at and uh, that station no longer wanted to do it evidently so we're going to do it so uh yeah. would well, well, to uh, governor you, t- t- to take
4: it. a minute and tell folks because I remember gosh what twenty years ago uh you did this with her dad when he was oh coming. yeah I used to listen to yeah with governor it all Huckabee yeah yeah
1: well yeah he, governor Huckabee as for, all, for several of the things that he and I did not agree on. Uh, we were always able to sit and talk on the air, no problems whatsoever. And he was open to talk on the air about uh, the issues and, and what he wanted to do and, and and what a lot of conservatives didn't want to do at the time. Now he's cha- he has changed his tune. I'm going to tell you, over 20 years, he has really changed his tune on a lot of those things. Yeah. A lot of those. I think... He did a lot of the stuff that he did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him grace today, uh, <laughs> all right, because God gave me grace. I'm, I need grace. We all need grace. I'm, I'm going to hand, <laughs> hand him grace. And, you know, he was governor with an overwhelming Democratic majority in both the House and the Senate, kind of the way that, uh, you know, a Democrat would be right now if they were governor, right. all right, and with our, our – uh, our uh, House and, and our Senate. And uh, and there's some things that I think that he did uh, kind of forced into him. And with that in mind, you have my grace on that, uh, Governor. Well, you got to compromise. The past is the past, and the future we're, is here.
4: We're compromising in the House today, in the yep. Union, United States Congress today, right? Yep, we are.
1: You know? We are doing what
4: that. Do, what what pe people need to know is that when you do the show with her is the these call-ins there nothing staged nothing it's going to she's just taking questions on yeah. them without any no, idea what's going to get she, asked no
1: she didn't have any idea what i was going to ask about here's what i think everybody who appears on my show knows i do my homework yeah i do my homework and uh, for people who perhaps are out there and they're doing these things i will find out and dig through and get the truth yeah. and we've got the truth on on some of this uh particular lawsuit, the people that are behind it, uh I mean the people behind it, one of them used to be uh the uh, white county democratic uh chairman. That's it say a lot to you. Secondly, the lady again, I mentioned maples uh you know she she wanted to run that school district and was her organization was still no, we want a different organization. Well, this is retaliatory. There's no doubt in my mind this is retaliatory. Didn't give it to me, give it to somebody else. Well, I'll show you. That's kind of what I think happened here.
4: It's it's retaliatory in a sense from the left to to the governor. In, oh, they in hate her. her. Well, of course. The problem I and have And I'm not mentioning is,
1: words on that. It's not dislike. They hate her.
4: Well, the problem I have is when anybody from either side tries to do something like this with n- – with no care in the world for the collateral damage of people, people working people.
1: Yeah, and what it's going to do for it yeah. uh, going to do to education across the whole state. Yeah. I agree.
4: And uh, what it did is just put every school district in a bind. Administrators, staff, the uncertainty. Uh, you know, if think about the parents of the students of Marvella Lane. Yep this last week. Well, they're evidently, going,
1: they're really raising some cane about it.
4: What am I? Yeah, what? What's going on here? They're going. look, you know, we've got to get this done. It's our kids that you're using these little pieces in That's this game. Right. And if there was, if they had an end to it, or that would be different. But there's, there's nothing going to come of this. I'm going to tell you what the end game is.
1: Learns is going to go through without a problem. Yeah. it's going to be yeah. implemented, and it's going to change education. For the good here in the state of Arkansas. No. All right, we've got to get a break in. The truth, I mean, Alfred was right when he told Batman some people can't be reasoned with, some people can't be uh, taken care of, some people just want to see the world burn.
3: Well, I, I, well there's no doubt. And, uh, well, first of all, good morning, and I appreciate the opportunity to come sure, on. Sure,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
3: I think uh, it, it's reasonable to say that we definitely live in a, a different world than we knew 5, 10, 15 years ago.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Abs- abs- absolutely. By the way, uh, Dave Ellswick here. I want to thank you uh, for uh, agreeing to come on. Uh, I want to talk to you further and see if we can't get you on once a month and uh, answer questions from the listeners and things because I think – I think that's, you know, transparency and that kind of line of communication would be great. And I'd like to talk to you about that. And I want to thank Jimmy on the air here because he's been uh, instrumental in helping make this all happen. And thanks again for the uh, the time that you're giving us today. We've got good news to talk to you about. We've, got, we've got, got a crime report in front of us, and it looks like whatever you're doing is working. What are you doing differently than your predecessors did?
3: Well, I think it's a it's a kind of a multifaceted approach of taking some different uh, ideas from around the country. Obviously, uh, we've seen some good progress with what the Dallas Police Department has done with the, with their efforts, and you know, over the last couple of years, they've reduced violent crime twenty uh, percent. So, taking that back, and then uh, basically surrounding myself with a very good team uh, of command staff and uh, and other leadership to try to put that vision out there and using different efforts to address uh, our violent crime, using the data to uh, and numbers to put us in the right position uh, where we need to be, where it tells us we need to be, what times we need to be there. Uh, that has been uh, a good success so far. Uh, we do know that we're moving into our busy time of the year, so where we're constantly trying to uh, adapt. Uh, but, you know, some of the other things we're doing is, uh, you know, our efforts to reduce crime, you know, uh, building those relationships with the community, which is to me uh, is an important piece of what we're trying to accomplish here. Uh, we, as the police department, cannot do things alone uh, because of all the challenges that are out there. Uh, we're facing uh, staffing issues like any other law enforcement agency around the is uh, addressing and having to deal with. So uh, trying to retain what we've got, recruit people in the door. And, and to me, like I said, building those relationships with the community, that, that is the foundation. And for me, I look at it. I can't build a house. I don't have a solid foundation. So, doing the internal things and then building those external partnerships has, uh, has been critical.
4: Chief, Chief, I want to jump in there because I want to brag a little bit. Uh, you know, last year, a lot of homicides, a lot of crime, a big issue. But I want to, I want to brag about exciting news and, and brag on your department and the community because we're seeing some really. Really big changes between this time uh, a year ago. Uh, Homicide offenses down 43%. Uh, Last year at this time, 35 homicides, 20. And while we we don't get excited about any homicide, but we're saying that's a big drop. Uh, uh, Robbery down, aggravated assault. But I think what is also telling is those crimes that, that people often don't hear about on the property crimes, Burglary and breaking and entering is down fifteen percent, and overall seven percent. You've got to be pleased with that. I am. I'm pleased.
3: It's, it's been a great team effort. Uh, very happy and proud of the men and women of Little Rock Police Department and what they're doing. You know, we're asking them to do a, a lot. You think about what all we've faced uh, so far this year. Uh, you know, we've had uh, uh, shooting incidents. We've had a plane crash. We've had uh, a mass, uh, you know, incident with a tornado that came through. And, uh, with all, even with all these things that have really stretched us, the men and women have responded valiantly, uh, they, they've shown up to work, done what they, we've asked them to do, and, and, and I'm really very appreciative of that. We've gotten great support from, uh, uh City Hall with the mayor's office, uh, our city board, uh, you know, with the real, uh, development, our real-time crime center has been instrumental in, uh, helping, uh, you know, identify some things and, and directing us where we need to go, uh, in, you know, we've been working with a lot of our Fed partners as well to get some of our bad actors off the streets. So it's been a really uh, a multifaceted uh, partnership and, and something I've been pleased with. But, you know, just like anything with numbers, they're great now. They could flip at any point. So we're, we're constantly remain focused on what we've been doing, how we continue to evolve that, and, and hopefully uh, by the end of the year we'll have a lot of really positive things to talk about. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy where we're at. we just uh, we got to keep driving and, and doing the right things.
1: Well, if you just joined us, we've got the police chief of – Little Rock, on with us here on the Dave Ellswick show, uh, Chief. You have any problem taking any phone calls if people want to call in and ask questions? No, sir. Okay, so yeah, uh,
4: Chief, Chief, he's he's
1: transparent. Yeah, okay, well, he, he he wants to do it. That's great. One five zero one eight two three zero nine six five is phone number again. Five zero one eight two three zero nine six five. If you want to talk to the chief of police of Little Rock, got questions for him. Here's your opportunity. Uh, I will warn you about this. I have a dump button, and I got one of the fastest fingers in the rest. So, Dave quick. You get you get you, you get ugly, and uh, you'll be gone before you even hear your first words on the radio.
4: And, uh, Chief, let me ask you this: Staffing last year and the last few years has been an issue. Uh, of course, city council uh, approved some pay, some pay raises, starting salaries, which that had helped. Tell us how your recruiting is going.
3: Uh, I mean, we're, we're making strides. Obviously, I'd like to see it a little bit better. But, uh, you know, the, the profession has uh, taken a beating over the last mm-hmm. several years. Uh, it's to a degree almost been vilified, uh, in my opinion. Uh, so some of it self-inflicted, but uh, some of it being driven by, you know, the national uh, media or it could be just a sentiment that we've, we've seen over the last several years. Uh, but it's still a very noble profession, probably the noblest profession out there. Uh, you know, I always like to talk about, uh, you know, we turn on the TV every day, but you see a lot of other professions that are doing things. You know, for example, you can't turn on the TV and see where a, a teacher or something has sexually assaulted a child somewhere in this country every day. And But they don't. that profession hasn't been vilified like ours. Um, so there's some challenges we have to overcome. I think we need to... Uh, continue to show the positive things that law enforcement is about. How much uh, ability do we have to go out there, really make an impact in our communities. It's not just simply about making arrests and those that violate the law. It's really about building partnerships, building those relationships, and, and how you know we're not just working in our communities or for our communities. We're working on our communities and how to solve some of the problems that, that are out there that uh, are really impacting the quality of life for, for our community.
1: Very interesting. Uh, someone uh, texted me says uh, the, the use of other law enforcement agencies to augment your efforts to reduce violent crimes is a great thing and seems to be paying off.
3: you know I'm, I'm very uh, fortunate and, and I think I can speak for all of our central Arkansas chiefs and, and sheriffs. Uh, you know we have a great relationship. Uh, it's, it's probably not anything that've I've seen over my 27 years as a law enforcement officer, uh, that uh, we have all come together. Uh, and I think it's a lot of it because we, we came up together. Uh, you know, I have a great relationship with Colonel Hager over state police, you know, Chief Menden and Bryant, uh, Chief Hergen, Hager and Sherwood, Chief Testing in North Little Rock, uh, Sheriff Higgins. So, so those relationships are there, and it's easy to pick up the phone and call and say, hey, we need assistance, and, and there's no doubt any one of those would step up and provide assistance. I mean, it was clearly apparent during the tornado. You know, one of the first people I talked to was Colonel Hager. He asked me what we needed, uh, talked to Chief Testing in North Little Rock, even though they experienced some of the tornado damage as well. They were like, hey, what do you need? We'll send you what we can. So that was very, um, I think, the partnerships that we have with our, our our local agencies, our state agencies, and even our federal partners has is, is no doubt helped and will continue to help as we move forward.
1: Chief, if you could, could you talk a little bit about issues that you've got on your pad of paper, that uh, must-do list, got to look at this, got to look at that. I mean, I know that you do that kind of stuff, and there's things that you're concerned about. What are the biggest issues in your mind?
3: I think for me it's, uh, you know, trying to continue to build those relationships within the community. There's there's a lot of distrust out there uh, and, and all the challenges that come with it. You know, law enforcement, we, we have been tasked with a lot of things over the last few years that are really not – law enforcement related, so to speak. And what I mean by that is we, we've got a, a mental health crisis uh, across this country that has just, uh, exacerbated over the last few years. Uh, we have a very much an unsheltered, uh, issue that's occurring across this country. So we're seeing a lot of social type issues that are now bleeding over into law enforcement. And we are being tasked to deal with a lot of those issues that's putting a strain on our resources. So, and, and you look at that, and then how do you have the, the recruiting and people leaving the profession, um, uh, you know, we we're looking at all the officers that were hired here in the early '90s under the Cops Grant uh, during the Clinton presidency. All those officers are now retiring and getting out of the job, so we have more people leaving, going out the back door than we do having to come in the front door. and How we're trying to address all these problems? So it's a, uh, those are things that kind of keep me up. And then you look at violent crime, which we've seen across the country that has uh, spiked over the last few years, and how, how are we going to meet those challenges? So for me, uh, those are things that keep you up at night. You know, and then trying to watch out for the welfare of your personnel. I mean, that's a big thing. You you want to make sure your people are getting rested. You're providing them everything that they need. And a very big balancing act. Uh, I like to tell folks, it's uh, I feel like I'm drinking through a fire hydrant every day. But, uh, you know, you just got to remain focused, keep my faith, and, and, uh, you know, lean on some partners that you have across the country, and some of your mentors that you can call on for advice every now and then.
1: Last question before we take a break, and and that's uh, an easy one, one that, Uh, I'd like you to talk about, let you talk to the state legislature using my radio show. What would you say to the state legislature that they can do to help uh, Little Rock and even other communities across Arkansas?
3: You know, I think I just touched on it kind of with the mental health. Uh, I I think we're all struggling with how to grasp uh, the mental health issue that's going on. We're seeing more and more uh, individuals, whether it's, uh, you know, a a medically – you know, identified mental health crisis, or if it's a substance abuse issue that we see continuously plaguing um, resources. And, and, and I think the legislator really needs to start uh, considering those issues there because it's really going to start putting a strain on not only law enforcement, but you're looking at your, you know, your, your paramedics, your medical type uh, facilities, your hospitals. Everybody's getting strained on what to do and how do we deal with this. And, and when those things start impacting those resources, now you talk about a, a Pretty much a ripple effect that starts really affecting your communities as well. Uh, so I think that's something that needs to be a priority that we really need to look at on how we address that problem.
1: All right, let's take a break. We'll give you a chance to fill up your coffee cup. We'll be back to talk further with you in just a moment. Let me remind my listeners that Pat Davis, who's your health plan man, wants you to save money on your health care insurance, thousands of dollars a year, in fact. You talk to Josh, you talk to Corey. And they'll help you out to do that. I mean, I I haven't talked to Corey since they were on last week, but I understand they had a couple of businesses called them, wanted to start saving some money. I'd like to get some of those stories on the air and, and be able to tell you about them uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But if, if he can save you half of what you're paying on your insurance right now, how much would that add up to over a course of 12 months? And I bet you you'll find... Uh, that it's, uh, you know, several thousand dollars. You should talk to Pat Davis and do it today, whether you're an individual or you are a small business. You can call or text them at 501-605-6935. That's 501-605-6935. And they're not going to hang you to the phone for a long time, and they're not going to write you, you know, a 30-page mischief about uh, how to do health insurance, they're going to just answer your question. Ask your question, they'll answer it for you. Or you can just go and find out on your own at yourhealthplanman.com. By the way, let me uh, take a moment, a little housekeeping here, and just say something that you can do uh, to make sure that you don't miss any of the shows. Maybe you're going to be outside our listening area or whatever, is add our... Uh, our app to your phone. That's all you got to do. Go to your your app store and look for uh, 1011 FM. The answer. Add it to your phone, and you can listen to us wherever you're at. And uh, that way, you can not miss anything. Uh, again, the chief has said that he'd be happy to take calls. 501-823-0965 is the number. 501-823- 0965. Uh, you call that number. We'll put you right on uh, the air with him and you can ask whatever question uh, that's bothering you. It Dep- doesn't matter what uh, division you're in or, or anything in the mm-hmm. city. Uh, if it's under his purview, he'll be happy to answer those questions for you. You had something else you wanted to ask Jimmy about mental health.
4: Yeah, Chief. You, you were talking about uh mental health aspect and what a lot of people don't think about. Is the mental health of the officers and the things they see daily? Touch on that. What do, what does the department try to do to help officers cope and with mental health with the with the troops?
3: Yes, sir. Uh, we have a, you know, we're, we're one of the few agencies in the state that have a, a designated wellness unit within our department. Uh, they they help uh, guide officers through processes where, you know, if they're need some counseling or need some things outside of our employee assistance program that they have resources we can direct them to. Uh, they do constant uh, checkups to our personnel throughout the day, throughout the week. And then when we have uh, a critical incident and things of that nature, they will bring in not only the officers involved in that incident, we, we also work with the fire department, uh, MEMS, uh, and any other agencies that may involve to sit down, debrief through that incident, and just uh, give them the opportunity to talk and things, which has been the uh, very successful force. us, um, and we've seen that continue to grow. and Very, very proud of where they've gone and what they do for our agency. and uh, Can't speak highly enough of, wh- of what the, that group does.
4: Well, and it is so important the mental health aspect. But the other thing is, is morale of the department. and It's no secret; last few real, few years, the morale has not been where it should be. But there is a very positive uptick. And morale, I, I keep my finger on the pulse of it, and I'm hearing great things about the morale of the department. And that has to make your job a lot easier.
3: Well, it, it does. I mean, we, we've had some challenges, and, and our challenges date back, you know, several, several years. We, You know, I, I think with any organization, you, you experience uh, different things as time goes on. And we've, uh, you know, you go through these ups and downs. I think in my 27 years, I've seen a, a roller coaster at times, you uh, you know, and I think just as a profession, just struggling with how things have changed and, and you know, trying to deal with the society's views. And, and just like I said, we've gone through a pandemic and all these different things that nobody really expected. And, and it has. It's been challenging. You've seen uh, morale kind of go up and down. And I think uh, we're in a positive point now. I think we see a lot of movement forward. I think people are optimistic. So. But we're going to continue to grow on that. And I think one thing is improving our communications uh, in the organization, making sure we, we're having con- conversations that start at the top and go down. And then equally as important is that we're listening, you know, to the officers from the bottom going back up to the top and uh, allowing that input, making sure we're getting, uh, putting the positive things out there and, and when we're doing things while we're doing it. So, And, and you know, internal uh, communication to me is, is critical, and that helps when we do the external part as well.
1: What about what are you doing uh, to reach out within the community? I mean, what is it that you're doing? Is there anything different you have to – I mean, we we were talking earlier on in the show. I I opened up playing a little thing from the last Batman movie about how there's weird people that that live uh, in our times. They've always lived in a time. just seems like there's more of them now. And uh, maybe it's not about money. Maybe it's not about anything except that they want to, quote, see the world burn. Uh, how do you go into communities and talk to them and identify those type of people?
3: Well, I, I think uh, for me, having the advantage of growing up here, you know, I'm, I'm from Little Rock, born and raised here, uh, been here my entire life, my entire law enforcement career here at Little Rock. So I kind of understand the city, understand the dynamics, understand the history of our of our. What's going on here? Over, the, over, you know, from all the way back, you talk about the Central High crisis to where we're at now. I mean, I understand it, and that has a, a huge advantage as opposed to when you get an outside person from from outside the state that really doesn't know the the, the dynamics. Uh, so, and and then some of the relationships I've been able to build over the years with community leaders, community members, activists, uh, and you know, going into a area neighborhood, I, to me, I, I make myself very available to any part of the community. Uh, whether it's the south end west little rock the heights southwest you name it i've i've spoken you know just about i don't know how many events so far this year in, in my almost my first six months uh i've been all over the place and and i think that's important i think it's important to get in out to the community you know we do quarterly meetings uh every quarter we've seen a, 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 the numbers not rebound uh pre-covid they've kind of still been laxing so one of my uh, deal is, is that we've got to get out in the community more. So doing those things and trying to increase our social media platforms, uh, engaging some of our leaders. And then, you know, something we're getting ready to uh, open up is uh, our start, is our podcast. We're going to start our own podcast here uh, probably mid to late June, get that up and running. And part of that reason is for us to really uh, to tell our story, give us the opportunity to uh, talk about the importance of uh, community participation you know, bringing in, uh, talking about different concerns uh, that are occurring all over our city, give the opportunity for city leaders to come on, talk with officers, and then bring in some of our community leaders to address uh, their concerns, those issues. And just, you know, because a lot of times when we do those interviews on TV or things, it's usually only a, a small, you know, small, you know, five to ten second soundbite. So we want people to be able to hear that entire story and be able to engage us. And uh, I think that's important. Building those relationships, I'm telling you, is so much Key to, to being successful in addressing some of our problems, because realistically, I'll be honest with you, Dave and, and Jimmy. If, if the community thinks the police are going to solve all the problems, I, I'm telling you, you're going to be sadly disappointed. We're just a we're a piece of the puzzle. The community is the other piece of the puzzle, and, and then obviously you got politicians. So there's a, a bunch of people that are uh, part of the process in order for us to be able to move our community in the right direction. So. Hopefully that engagement piece is uh, something that's very near and dear to my heart, something that I want to do and something that I will continue to do as as long as I'm the chief. All
1: right, Chief, stay tuned. We'll be back with you in a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick. We've got the chief of police from Little Rock on with us. He's helping. He's joined us today. If you have a phone call uh, that you'd like to make and talk to him, you got a question for him, just give a ring, 501 823 zero nine six five that's five zero one eight two 1st time we've done this in a long time on the Dave Ellswick show we'll build this back up to where you chief you get so many calls you don't know what to do with it uh, it, <laughs> it, it typically takes a little time to get it going so and and everybody I'll tell you what's happening right now everybody is sitting there saying I want to call but I want somebody else to call first you know yeah. they they don't want to be the first one. So somebody a call, and that'll be like opening the dam. And typically that'll happen in the last three minutes of the show. But anyway, <laughs> we'll we'll get we'll get it all all worked out as we uh, work along with this. And the chief is with us. It's good to have him with us. I want to go back to talk about the the uh, offense comparison citywide uh, between January first and May twenty ninth, twenty twenty three from twenty twenty two. And uh, you got a lot of positive changes here. I I don't see any pluses. I see all minuses, and that's fantastic. In fact, uh, you know, you're you're even doing good over the last five years. Homicide's down. Forcible rapes are down. Robbery is down. uh, Aggravated assault and violent crime is down. Burglary, larceny. And uh, motor vehicle theft all are down, and property crime is down 7% as well. Total, all of those things I just mentioned are down by 7%. Uh, By division, as you look and think about those numbers, uh, how does that change your your ideas about how you go about uh, policing the city?
3: Well, I, you know, I'm very fortunate uh, within the department. I, I've got uh, six crime analysts that uh, review our data on a daily basis. They're, they're taking into account all the incidents. They're they're plotting and, and letting us know where the incidents are and let us know where the data tells us where we need to be. And, uh, you know, we're lucky enough that our citizens also let us know where crime is occurring and things that uh, may be occurring that we're not aware of. So we take all those into account, and then we pour our resources, uh, you know, in there while we're still – addressing our calls for service and then when our officers aren't addressing calls for service we're really pushing the uh, efforts to be proactive uh, you know whether it's addressing speeding complaints or you know just driving through areas that we know have traditionally uh, been some high crime areas being visible highly visible uh, getting out of that car making contacts with our community members and just uh, you know increasing that, that those efforts have we've seen uh, the decreases that we have and and everybody's different i mean I, I know our numbers northwest that that comprises roughly 37% of uh, of our our total crime you know a lot of that is property driven uh, you you figure every every box store known the man <laughs> exists out in our northwest corridor so that you see a lot of shoplifting type incidents that occur there that drive those numbers um, uh, you know so that you look at where you're at and what how you how you uh, address those issues becomes uh, you know it, it's a uh, Just putting pieces together, really. And we're very fortunate to have our analysts that do a a tremendous job of of telling us where we need to be.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about that for a moment because you mentioned earlier in the show when you were talking about things that have changed uh, and grabbing information and ideas from other areas, Dallas being one. One of the things that Dallas has done that's driven uh, their crime statistics down is they've become very, very active of watching uh, social media and uh, paying attention to cell phone traffic. And uh, have you, have you all added that to your repertoire as well?
3: No, we haven't. We're not doing you know following cell phone traffic or anything like that. What we've done is uh, we identify those spots that uh, where we've seen increases and, and what we call dosing. <clears throat> you know, we put officers in there during. Uh, times our officers are required to go and spend at least 15 minutes uh during what we've seen traditionally the crime take place uh you know for instance if we know that uh, a predominantly area that has a crime and we know it occurs anywhere from you know one o'clock in the afternoon to three o'clock in the afternoon then we'll know we we tell our officers we're going to go be required to spend at least 15 minutes in that area driving around being proactive uh doing things of that nature Uh, our crime center you know we're, we're using uh our stakeholders to get out there and uh getting camera feeds into our, our real-time crime center where uh we have the availability of an emergency kicks off or something kicks off in that area and we know there's a camera there we can pull it up and we're providing real-time information to our officers in the field because uh, to me uh, an officer that is more informed will, will be able to handle that incident uh, more effectively so we're really pushing that initiative to try to get our businesses and our stakeholders involved and then the other part of it is uh, we have a part of our crime center where people just go on and register their cameras it uh, doesn't give us access, but you let us know you have a camera. So if uh, an incident occurs in a, a geographical location, we can draw a, a, a geographical sphere, so to speak, around that and send everybody that's registered a camera an email saying, hey, we had an incident occur between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m., and we're looking for a red car in that area. Please search your cameras. If you see anything, then you can drop your video and send it to us. So that saves time from officers having to go out and go door to door, trying to make contact, you know there is a, a fear uh, in in the city about the the, the concept of uh, don't be a snitch so this gives those people who fear the you know of, of talking to the police now they can do it from behind their computer send information to us and that has really been the crux of how we've been able to address a lot of our issues
1: yeah i'm i'm yeah I tell you it's very very smart i i don't understand well, the don't i don't understand the whole thought process of don't be a snitch when it's the area you live in and you want crime to stop.
3: Well, I think it goes back to what I said earlier in the show that uh, you know we live in a very different world, and you know as we we deal with staffing issues, you know when we developed our real time crime center, that was one thing that we saw as a, as an avenue for us to start leveraging technology to fill in some of those gaps, uh, yeah. and, and it's been very 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 successful so far. We're proud of it. We're hoping to continue to grow the platform uh, and and get more of our business uh, and community stakeholders involved, and some of our residents involved, and. If we do that, it's going to be successful. I mean, give you a good, a good example, you know, the active shooter incident that took place in Atlanta a few weeks ago uh, at the clinic, that uh, incident, you know, the real, their real-time crime, crime center was very instrumental in uh, identifying the, the perpetrator of that incident and getting him into custody. And had they not had a lot of those partnerships, it probably would have been several days to weeks before they would have actually captured that guy. So, and, and we kind of modeled our crime center after Atlanta, PD, uh, and when they originally started theirs, they started out with roughly 600 citywide cameras. Uh, their platform now is over 20,000 cameras uh, that they have stakeholders involved with, and then their uh, residents are, are roughly about 18,000 residents that have registered their cameras. So they've essentially casted a net over their city to where you know the community I think is uh, they're fed up, and they're I think that's where the opportunity is amongst us now. That I think our communities tired; they're tired of the violent crime, they're tired of the thefts, and. I think people are starting to to stand up and and wanting to to get involved. And I think this is where we, uh, as as an agency and some of our other uh, government entities, are are able to seize that opportunity and really move forward because I
4: think the community is just tired. Yeah. Chief, a lot of things on your worry list as Chief of Police. One of the tops, though, has to be school, school safety, school violence, and school shootings. Talk a little bit about the school resource officer program, what you're trying to accomplish Um, to keep schools safe in the partnership with the Little Rock School District?
3: Yes, sir. We've enjoyed a a good partnership with the school district for a number of years. We have uh, resource officers in all of our high schools and uh, middle schools. So uh, we'd love to be able to get them into our elementary schools, but just, again, it's a staffing issue. But uh, we do have our community resource officers that go around and make contact with our uh, elementary schools. But that that is an important partnership for us, uh, having those officers in the school. Uh, you know, it's pretty sad that uh, the times we live in that our, our schools are are uh, not sacred anymore. I mean, Lord, churches aren't, malls aren't. You can't really go anywhere now out of fear of something uh, kicking off and or being worried about an incident occurring. So uh, we work very closely with uh, our schools. We train our officers every year in uh, active aggressor situations. Uh, we work very closely with our, our fire partners and, and people at MEMS to really have that coordinated effort when we uh, – you know, have to respond to situations like this. Unfortunately, it's the world we live in, and and we have to prepare every every year for this. And uh, the men and women, no doubt, here are very much uh, ahead of the game when it comes time to a lot of law enforcement across the state. We we are able to uh, keep that uh, that awareness level high. Uh, you know, so it's it's been a good partnership and something that I'm very uh, a big advocate of having officers in the school, and it just provides a uh, safety for not only staff and and the students. It just it brings uh, I think a level of comfort allows our students to be able to get in and try to learn.
1: Okay, Before I go to my final break, uh, chief, let me ask what's the most important aspect of recruiting. What is it that, that these people are looking for that might want to be law enforcement officers?
3: You know, that's a great question. I think if I could figure that one out, I'd probably retire and go sell it around the country. To <laughs> okay. Law enforcement uh, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, uh, just really selling the fact that uh, I think generally you look at our younger generations now, I think they want to go out, they want to make a difference in their community, and just showing that, yes, this is a dangerous job. There's no doubt about it. But it is really an opportunity to get out there, make a difference. I think we struggle with uh, you know, the, the social media aspect of it now, for all the great things that I think the social media can do. I think it also is the devil to a degree right uh, cuz you don't know what's fact from fiction anymore there's so much uh, information that's out there and i think we struggle uh, as a society where there's information overload so how to you know really target our, our new uh, generation so to speak and show that uh, you know a lot of them are very tech driven so trying to get that out there now with our crime center and all the tech tech stuff that uh, is available whether you're doing drones or whether it's computers in the car the the several different uh, tech advances that are coming toward the profession, uh, but I, I think there's some that really really want to get out and make a difference and say this is a great job to be able to go out and network with the community. It's not all about you know what we've seen over the years chasing bad guys or doing all this stuff. That's part of it. It's very honestly, it's a very small part of it. The other half is really networking and, and trying to you know build those relationships and you know show that you're there for the community, there to make a difference.
4: Hey hey chief, you know obviously you're married to law enforcement, but you are literally. Married to law enforcement, your your lovely wife is a sergeant at North Little Rock Police Department. So, I just got to get this question in. When you get home at night, you're the chief at LRPD. She's a sergeant at North Little Rock. Sergeants are the backbone of law enforcement. So, but when y'all get home, who's the chief at your house?
3: Uh, there there's no doubt she's the boss. <laughs>
4: So, so, so I can figure
1: that you're not cooking, uh, or maybe you are cooking Thanksgiving, huh?
3: Well, you know, I'm not, I don't. I'm trying not to start a war at my house. But, uh, yeah.
4: Well, she's listening. I bet or She's going to. So be careful, I, right? I have, no, I have no doubt she's probably listening. I, I can tell you in the picture though, when there's pictures of you two together, everybody's looking at her, not you. I can promise well, you that. No, she definitely makes the
3: picture better. I can promise you that. All right.
1: We've got time for one more segment. You have to, uh, a few more, more minutes, uh, Chief, and we'll keep you if you do.
3: Yeah, yeah, I've got a few more minutes before i got to get to my next meeting, so yeah.
1: Okay, so let's uh, take a quick break, then we'll be back, and we'll do more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. we got Chief of Police on from uh, Little Rock with us. Uh, that's Chief Hilton. We hope that you'll uh, call in, talk to him today. I understand if you don't, it's first time. Got to set up our rapport with him at uh, 5 uh, oh, one eight two three zero nine six five is the number. Don't forget about PI Roofing. You need a roof done? They are the people to call, because that's what they've been doing for twenty three years. They've been a part of my show for all of that time. They have supported my show, uh, you know, every year. They're on to make sure this show keeps going because of hours just like this. They like uh, that. That we do this here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Also, now forget, uh, don't forget they're a general contractor, which means if you have other work that you need done around your house, they can come in and do that as well. You just call them at 501-707-3115. That's 501-707-3115. Tell them that you, you know, you're looking to get a window put in or gutters put on or whatever. And they'll come out, take a look at what you want done. And uh, they'll send you, you know, how much it's going to cost to get it done. It's that simple. I've done it, and uh, I got uh, should be getting ready to start on my my deck pretty soon. Might be a little later than I wanted to because, guess what? After that tornado, there's a lot of people, a lot of, have a lot of work that's still got to be done on their homes, and PI Roofing is instrumental in getting a lot of that finished. Give them a call. Five zero one seven zero seven thirty one fifteen or visit them online roofing dot com. All right, let's finish it up with the uh, with the chief here on the on the Dave Ellswick show. Chief, let me. I've got I've got about five minutes left, so let me. This is my last question for you, and then I'll let Jimmy get his final question. And 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 that being, is there something that you want to say directly to the my listeners right now and the people who live right here in Little Rock that you want them to know about you as the chief and you and the police force of Little Rock?
3: Well, I think uh, for me, you know, being a hometown kid and you know a product of Little Rock School District, born and raised here, I think, uh, you know, I'm extremely honored and proud to uh, lead this organization. Uh, Very honored and humbled that, uh, you know, Mayor Scott uh, selected me to be the chief. It's uh, it really to me, its it really speaks for me from the heart to to be here and know all these things and and i'm I'm invested in this community. Uh, I'm invested in Little Rock's home. Uh, I really want to see things be successful here. Um, we've had some challenges, and no doubt uh, Little Rock is a great city, but it's a complex city. <laughs> it has a lot of different challenges and things. and I think we're going to continue to see things grow., uh, we're gonna have some bumps along the way, but uh, I can tell you, the men and women of this department are, are great personnel uh they're going to do great things and uh, the support of our community is important to us uh we definitely need that uh, the men and women uh sometimes uh, often uh, forget that uh, there's a silent majority out there that really uh, you know does support us and supports what we do and we would uh we would love for them not to be silent anymore because uh, it does wear mentally on you dealing what we have to deal and Sometimes our naysayers and critics get a lot of the a lot of the voice because our people choose to be silent, and I think you know because the world we live in right now makes it that way. So we would love to see that increase. Uh, you know, I, I encourage our community if, if they see something, say something. Let us know what's going on. Uh, we need to know uh, everything, and, and we hear it. Sometimes, if you think it's nothing that seems to be, it might be minor. Let us know. Uh, you can always uh, contact uh, the department. You can email uh, the chief's office. You know, asklrpdchief.com. And, and send us something if wants, uh, you want. Know, if he wants to come out and speak. I'm more than happy to come out to speak to any group. I've got a team of uh, my assistant chiefs. We love to get engaged with our community because we all believe that's important. So that's probably the biggest thing is that, you know, I'm here for them. I'm, I'm here for our community, uh, really working, doing our part to make a difference. And, you know, we're going to continue to drive down our, our reduced violent crime. We're going to try to address some of the challenges that are out there and, and work with all of our partners to, to make Little Rock a, a great place because uh, it truly is its home. And it's, it's, I think we're going to see it grow. Uh, you know, as, as we see things go on, on the West Coast, the East Coast, uh, I think you're going to see Middle America become a, a place of uh, growth and and all the, you know, possibilities are going to really get on the rise here. And we're starting to see that with some of the you know corporations and things that are coming into the port and all that. So things are looking up.
1: All right, Chief, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Uh, we look forward to doing this in the near future.
3: Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. I look forward to it. All right, thank day. you
1: very much. All right, Chief of Police, Little Rock Police Force. Heath Elton, it's good to have him on. I'm glad to have the police chief back on. Uh, we'll work up so we can get the North Little Rock police chief on yeah. as well. We'll ask a yeah. lot of the same questions of him that we just asked uh, the chief. I want you to understand this is a time for you as well as listeners, and I know there's a lot of you out there because I hear from you on a daily basis. Uh, feel free to call in and, and ask questions. I had gotten away from that somewhat Uh we have because it's been so divisive. I'll be honest with you. I don't want people calling in and screaming. I just I I, I got to cut you off. I mean that's just the way it is. But I get tired of cutting people off. So because uh, everybody thinks that I'm a, a a bad person then, and I'm not <laughs> a bad person. I just expect a a modicum of decorum when yeah. you call in to talk to somebody. Uh, keep in mind our uh, our phone number is uh, area code 501-823-823 zero nine six five. Let's take a a break and then we'll come back and finish it up. Uh, We're coming up at the 10 o'clock hour. I think we'll talk a little bit about uh, there's some people that are upset that they're looking to build subdivisions out in the county. I'll talk about that. You may not like what I have to say, but I'll, uh, I'll I'll have uh, my feel about it. And uh, then we're going to hear from the Saline County uh, Republican chair and, uh, He'll be talking to us about uh, the deal going on with the libraries in Saline County. That's all coming up
0: here on The Dave Ellswick Show